welcome to the VSCPA's podcast, Leading Forward. Today, we are with Ann Hagen, CEO of the Masonic Home, and we're also in our brand new media room. We have this awesome setup, so we are really excited to be getting a little more professional. So thank you, Ann. It's really fun to be here with you today. Thank you so much, Maureen, for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. So Ann is our... Um, chair of the VSCPA board, so she has been pulling double duty um, with her full-time job and with her volunteer job, so you've been a busy person so far. So, But before we dive into the podcast and to, the, to your story, tell us a little bit about what Masonic Home is. Well, Masonic Home of Virginia is a continuing care retirement community. Uh, it actually started out as a home for children back in 1890. Oh my gosh. So it's been around over 130 years. And in the 70s, it was very uh, uh, proactive in terms of knowing that there was a need for a home for seniors. And so they began that. And so uh, it's we've probably served over 1,200 adults and almost 900 children in our existence. So it's, it's a, a fascinating nonprofit that yeah. serves Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ann, I... I really want to focus on what your experience has been over the last 18 months because mm -hmm. you have been absolutely um, in the center of what we've experienced mm -hmm. with COVID. But before we dive into that, I, I'm kind of interested in how you got to this position. Could you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey? Well, it certainly has been <laughs> a journey, Maureen. It certainly has. Um, you know, I think my, I guess my career when I look back, started when I was a child working in my parents' grocery store. Oh, my gosh. They were entrepreneurs and uh, had a family business and were very successful. And I started out in that working alongside my parents when I was in third grade. So, um, you know, I got a lot of really good life experiences there as I look back, uh, getting comfortable with people, uh, understanding responsibility, dedicating, you know, yourself to a schedule, um, watching my parents work really hard. So that was probably a great, a great example right off the bat. Yeah. And then uh, always worked, you know, part-time jobs and things. But professionally, uh, you know, my first job was in the audit area. And you quickly got a lot of responsibilities in that field. And you became a supervisor shortly in a short order. You know, the next time they hired a group, you were already right, right. kind of in charge of, of some areas or that type of thing. So that really started it. Um, and when I moved into nonprofit, I, I became, uh, you know, just advanced in the accounting area, but I started taking on more responsibility. Um, when you're in a nonprofit, no matter where you are, you, you have no limits. There is so <laughs> many needs and, and so few resources that there's a lot of opportunity for growth. And I really excelled in that, I think, right. by picking up other areas like human resources and IT and uh, facilities and, uh, you know, sometimes development. So a lot of that type. So I had opportunities there, and they really continued um, to Masonic Home when I was the chief financial officer there for a decade. And, and then, you know, as I say, against all odds, you know, uh, they, you know, gave me that opportunity for... CEO. Yeah, uh, so that's a very traditional organization. So you've kind of, uh, I, I would guess, broken some glass ceilings there. Would you say yeah, that's true? It's, it, it is. I think I'm not, I'm not the first woman, uh, but certainly, um, you know, there hasn't been many. Right. Um, so I think either between my, my history with Catholic Charities for many years, 
uh, as well as my history with the Masonic Home. I do have a tendency and also in accounting and the CPA firms. They're all fairly traditional environments. And somehow I've been able to excel in those. And I've been very fortunate. So I, I'm interested in what you just said. They're, they've all been very traditional. What, mm-hmm. what have been those little things along the way that kept you with it? Um, you know, I, I have to go back and attribute it a lot to my mother. You know, watching her work alongside my father that many years ago. And um, she was a lot younger than my dad. So uh, when the hours had to be long, they were seven days a week, you know, 11 to, 7 in the morning until 11 at night, she would actually get my dad to go home. And so she would work longer sometimes than my dad because of their age difference. And so I've always watched uh, a strong woman work. And so I think part of my ability to excel in the traditional roles has been the fact that I just never question too much. I just keep, I just assume that if you work hard enough, you will, you'll progress and you will move on. And I think that has been true. I think it's helped me uh, kind of confirm for me if I'm in the right environment. It's, I've tested it a number of times. You know, and I think um, even though they've been traditional, I haven't allowed that to limit me, mm-hmm. and I haven't allowed that to limit them. Right. So I want to make sure that I do all I can to um, show my talents, my strengths, and hope that we're matching up and hoping that I am what they're looking for. Right. So I, I love what you said about your mom, and it sounds like a, a role model or mm. maybe even a mentor. Have you had others along the way, or have you been able to mm. serve in that role, or is that... Uh... You know, I think a lot of my uh, my bosses would probably say that they have been mentors. Um, I hope I have been one for others, um, and I've tried to be, uh, whether they be women, men, right. you know, older people, younger people. I have certainly been willing to share my experiences and encourage people. Because I don't think in our world we get enough encouragement. I think in general, um, whether we're students, uh, whether we're professionals, or just trying to uh, do well in an environment, we just, I just don't think in general we get enough encouragement. For some reason, people are always trying to tell us about the barriers and, you know, that kind of thing. And we need to understand that, you know, these kind of, everybody succeeds every day with hard work and talent and, uh, and resources. Right, right, right. That's a great message that we all need to remember. I always think about how, uh, you know, telling the people that are important in your life that you love them, it's like they mm-hmm. might know it, but they need to hear it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so encouraging the people around you, telling them yeah. they're doing a great job, what they mean, yeah. how important they are. And encourage them that they can do it. Whatever it might be right. is hard or right. difficult or takes a number of steps or whatever you can do that right we can do it we can figure this out you know sounds like um passing the cpa exam right oh yeah exactly (laughs) need a little exactly (laughs) need that push behind you right the encouragement behind you to know you can do it yes so um with your career i know that you've certainly learned a lot of leadership lessons Mm -hmm. but over the last 18 months you're you've had to face life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had to lead people through something that I know you've never expected. I'm guessing you've never expected. Definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned or that maybe were amplified 
over the last 18 months? Sure. I think, you know, um, you're exactly right. Um, None of us understood what we were getting into when this pandemic began. Um, But I will say uh, that uh, in a retirement community at the time where over half the deaths were occurring, it was undoubtedly the most scary time of my career. Uh, But it didn't frightened me in a way that froze me, thank goodness. And it, it, I don't know, it just made me realize how it very much, very important, everything I did, how much it mattered. And uh, so it, it really gave me a heightened sense of urgency, a heightened sense of using every skill that I have ever learned in my career. And um, I think I just, I got into some zone, some, some gear and I stayed there, and uh, thank God for a lot for that. But you know, it took a lot of lessons. Um, you know, thinking ahead and planning. Uh, I, unfortunately, or fortunately, it depends on how people look at it. I I looked and I read as much as I could read during that time. I was watching all the news channels. Um, I was I knew there was a there's a lot of people that think there's not a lot of truth in the news, right? But there has to be some level of truth there. So even if I took half the deaths right. away, there was way too many. Right. And even if I, um, there, and there were many in the retirement community settings, nursing homes, we were inundated. In our own time. community, right? Yes, in our own community. And we were very early in our own community, extremely early. So there wasn't a lot of lessons out there to learn. You had to, it was, a, it was sort of a baptism by fire at that time. So we, you know, we did a lot of great things at that time, and we, we just kept listening and learning and acting, and it was an everyday decision-making event. We got together, a key group, Infection Control Task Force got together, and we just examined uh, everything that was going on around us and tried to figure out what was real symptoms, what were, you know, at that time, you know, there, just like it is now with children, there's a lot of symptoms like cold. And, you know, when you start taking people's temperature three times a day, uh, you know, you, didn't, you don't even know what their temperature normally would be, you know. Uh, there's a lot of things with, the, with seniors that cause your temperature to go up. Um, there's a lot of symptoms that are, that are similar to other things. So there was a lot of concern, some warranted, some not, and it was hard to discern exactly what you should be worrying about and what you shouldn't. Right. But we were worrying enough for everything. And um, just making a lot of decisions early on. We were early. We were early with a lot of our decisions. Okay. And I think in that regard, we, it, they served us well. Right. We, thank, we thought did a lot of thinking, a lot of planning ahead. And then personally, I think what I realized early on was that I had to keep, uh, I had to keep my exercise. And my self-care. Well, that's what I was wondering about with this sustained level of even just watching the news, (laughs) taking all that in, everyday decisions. How did you take care of yourself? You know, I found the time. I'm a morning person, and I committed it. I just said that's something I can't drop. And it was really important time for me because when you've got that time to yourself, it really allows you the opportunity to work things through in your head. And I worked out a lot of problems and a lot of new ideas in the mornings. And I would, it would be like, it's just like they say, you know, you've you've been thinking, 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 doing. And when you give yourself that free time, that your brain will help you. And I think I I was blessed with a lot of ideas during those mornings. 
Um, so that was that was very helpful. Um, I also tr- I just tried to think of the worst before my staff could think of the worst. I tried to think of the next um, COVID area that we might have to use. Um, you know what what's the worst the next worst thing that we could be facing? Uh, what happens if we run if we get low on PPE? What ha- you know, and that helped I think my staff not have to tell me the bad things, their bad worries. I don't think they could articulate right. some of their concerns. I started to articulate some of those. Right. And I think it took some of the pressure off us as a team. Because if I was already expecting worse things to happen, they didn't have to let me down by telling me what right. was going right. to happen. Right, so, right, right. So I think that was helpful. Um, you know, I, I've always tried to place myself in other people's shoes. I think that served me well. When you try to put some yourself in the shoes of our residents, the shoes of our staff, the shoes of our board, the shoes of our families, uh, you know, it helps guide you in a lot of good ways. Right. And the communication started very early on, and it was early and often. And I do think that was another huge piece of, of our uh, getting through this. The communication? We, yes, because we told what we knew. I was always honest up front. I told what we knew. I told what we didn't know. Right. And uh, we had an awful lot of board support and uh, a board chair that's that's a doctor and he's very very well known. So there's a lot of I had a lot of good good support. Right. Right. And the communication helped because there was a lot of times when we were not available outside of the community. People were locked down. We didn't have visitors. We you know. It was a lot of that time, and so some of our residents, you know, unless I gave them information, they wouldn't wouldn't know what was going on around them, right. you know, too much. Right. So that was a that was a blessing because you know, like I said, if people don't if you don't give them the information, they're going to find it in right. other sources, right. and they're right not or wrong. Yep, <laughs> yep, that's right, that's right. So um, I guess that's a lot of you know, those are a lot of the things that I think that I've put into place or. Right. And then just really being present every day among the residents, among our staff, on the campus, with the families, available right. by phone, right. by email. There was always every communications to ask for suggestions if they had any to send them to us. And it was really a, it worked out, it worked out from that perspective. For the first time in my career, I didn't hear any complaints about communications. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. that's amazing, right? Because <laughs> that's that's one of the first things that it is, isn't it? It's a common complaint that a lot of people have, right. wherever their environment might be. They just they don't ever feel like they have enough information, right? Well, I, I like what you said too about you told them what they knew, you knew, and you didn't know. So just to be upfront, we don't know this, and. That's right. At least it doesn't leave minds turning and wandering. That's right. So and is there a um, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and the one thing we just inter- continue to uh, reiterate was that we were doing our best. We were literally doing our best every day. Right. And I think uh, I think that showed through. Right, right. Was there a particular moment that or a story that you, you just remember forever during this last 18 months? <sighs> There's been a lot of things that have gone on. Um, I wonder sometimes if I think back, if it will feel like I was really there or if it was some kind of a, I wouldn't call it a dream. You know, it, sometimes it felt like a nightmare. Right. Um, but I do wonder when I think back sometimes if I'll actually feel like it wasn't real. You 
but I, I do, you know, I, I've, I, uh, a lot of the walks that I gave across the campus many times I intended to be a benefit to the residents because they, I wanted them to get the, the communication and have an, a quick re, uh, opportunity to question me about something that they may not understand. So I started walking uh, the campus after those. And I think what happened to me during that time was that I was trying to be a resource to them and support to them. And what happened was they ended up being a support to me. Right. Because when they would come out and talk to me, they didn't really have questions. They really just wanted to thank me for my leadership and for, you know, keeping them safe. And, of course, I was just one person of a team. But it, was, it meant the world to me during right. that time. It was very inspirational and very, very supportive. Well, you had to make yourself physically present, like you said, to, to give and receive that. Yeah, so good point. That's awesome. Good point. So to turn to a different topic sure. quickly, um, you have been a major player in our recent diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And um, back last year when you were the um, chair-elect, um, our chair of the board, Henry Davis, asked you to step up and lead the council. And I know you had <laughs> a particular reaction to that request. Yeah. Um, and could you tell us just a little bit how you felt with that? Sure. You know, um, Henry's a great leader, you know, and obviously no one could know more about the topic than him. And at the same time, uh, we had a, there was a lot going on in our, in our world, a lot of criticism about people that weren't that weren't hadn't done things correctly, had made wrong remarks, had done whatever, just hadn't hadn't done what people thought they should have done. Right, right, we right or very, wrong, right? It was, right, it was a, it was a tough time, and um, I remember telling Henry, you know, I'm not perfect, you know. I, I'm not perfect. I, I don't think I know enough of this, but, you know, I know you shouldn't lead it. You've got, the, you're the chair. So I'm happy to help you, but I need to know that, I need you to know that I'm not, you know, this perfect person for this. And, you know, I said, I believe that we're all flawed. I believe that we all have room to grow. And, you know, and there was, you know, some things that we discussed about what was going on in our world at the time that I agreed with and didn't agree with. And he was so supportive of me, and he basically said, "Anne, that's that's all. You, that you're you're who we need to do this." Right. So right. he gave me the confidence to to step up. Um, I didn't feel very diverse, you know. Right. Back in my original early days, I was probably considered diverse uh, <laughs> as a woman in the field. Uh, but you know, I don't feel that as much that way today. Right. Right. So. While you were experiencing your career challenge, you had a little push in a totally different yeah. way. Yeah, but it really helped me, I think, because, uh, you know, at, at the home we have a very diverse employee base, uh, and I think it was very helpful to me. I, I think the world of employees, I think we need employees from all walks of life, and um, everyone is trying. I think all of us are trying to do the same thing. We're trying to live a good life, and we need uh, financial resources to do that usually to raise a family to keep a house to be able to eat to utilities all of the health care all those things are part of a healthy life and um, so we need to do the best we can in all right. with all that so you've gone from uh, or you went from 
being uncertain that you were the right person to lead this brand new council to leading the charge on a $100,000 fundraising campaign. <laughs> that, to me, that's quite a, a, a leap and a yeah. progression in a very short time. And um, you are no joke <laughs> when it comes to this. I really, I really just love the, the fire that you have for it. But tell us a little bit about how you went from that. I'm not sure if this is if I'm the right person to really putting yourself out there in front of a lot of other people? Well, you know, I, like so many of my peers and my the other members that we have as part of the Virginia Society CPA, uh, many of my CPA friends that I've worked with over several decades, you know, we've all benefited greatly from our profession. It has most likely been uh, one of the most important things in our, our life, in our personal, mm-hmm. professional, financial, all those successes, I think, have been uh, impacted greatly by the profession that we chose. Um, and so I think everyone should have that opportunity. And if we've got a part of our society that is unaware of this wonderful profession, then we are obligated to be sure we do all we can to share the benefits of this wonderful profession with them. And I understand that we've made great progress with women. I've watched it. And, but I, we have not seen that same progress with black students and black CPAs. And so I feel very strongly that we have an obligation to share that right. information. And no better time than with the centennial. And I think when I started thinking about the centennial and what a wonderful window this was, uh, you only get, you know, once to honor a centennial, right? And that centennial centennial is for the first black CPA in the U.S. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. right. So it falls in this year. And so I think, you know, uh, things, things just work out. Right. And I think it was that coupled with a gift that someone made of $1,000. And I started, you know, as an accountant, I started trying <laughs> to figure out, you know, can I, could I raise $100,000 in the centennial year? I thought it would be quite, quite something. And then I thought, $1,000, hmm, do I know 100 CPAs? And I do. And I know, and most of them have done much better than I've done in my career. So I thought I could reach out to those and see if I could encourage them to help me and to help Virginia to make you know, to make a gift to help scholarships for black students, black aspiring CPAs, um, to, to, you know, to make a difference in our community, in our state. What I love about this initiative and your personal touch to it is that not only are you going to raise money for students, but you are having conversations with these CPAs about this topic. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just about the thousand dollars. It's about, opening their mind or answering questions or even having some challenging discussions that who knows where it'll go, but that's where this will move is through the conversations. Hmm. It's not just the checkbook. Good point. It's the conversation. And that's what I feel like you're bringing to this along the way. So um, it really is, uh, it's not just a mailer in the, (laughs) (laughs) that you you drop in. It's not an email solicitation. It's personal discussions. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we've just, you know, I just feel like I've been so blessed in my life. 
And I know that this crowd that I've worked with over the years that have helped me right. and bring me along right. um, has been blessed as well. Right. And, you know, we do, have, we do have an obligation to give back and to leave this place a better than we found it. Um, and it, it's not necessarily, you know, whatever you give. I, I just use that example because I can do the math pretty easy. Right. Right. A thousand dollars, a hundred people. But that's just because I like the math. But any any amount right. would be would be so would be so important. Absolutely. Right? And whatever we do, and and then we're so thrilled because it's in the name of the first uh, first Black Virginia man and a CPA and the first Black woman CPA, and it's the Duke. Harris oh, right, scholarship. Right. Yes, right? yes. So um, it's a way to honor that here in our state, um, and also be part of this centennial right. of the United States. So, so Anne, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, before we wrap up, I just have one last question. So you've had quite a year um, with the pandemic, with leading this charge, now being the chair. What do you do for fun? Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, the good news is that I have always loved my job, and I have always loved my volunteer work. So that has really been a blessing for me, and that, that's allowed me to raise four boys while I've worked. Uh, I'm now, um, you know, involved in, with my two new grandchildren. Um, so I, and, and about 30 years ago, uh, we uh, took a leap and got a place on a lake in Virginia, and we spend a lot of time there. Just and, really unplugging with yeah. nature and your family. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think it's been a huge uh, part of, of how we've been able to manage as a family, how I've been able to manage as a, as a working mother professional, yeah. um, and to keep, you know, a, perspe a, good, a good perspective. Right, right. So are you a fisherman, a fisherwoman? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm more of a reader oh, yeah, and right. <laughs> a, a, a quiet uh, Look listen. at the beautiful yes, view. <laughs> yes, I probably cook a little more down there than All I do right. at home. Um, Is there anything you like to cook? Oh, gosh, I guess uh, I'm, a, I'm a big sweets. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. My German chocolate cake is is a pretty renowned. Oh, uh, nice. Cheesecakes, things like that. Quiche, crab quiche, stuff like that. So. Wow. Well, you know what? <laughs> Give me that address. <laughs> I'll come for a visit. So, Anne, thank you so much. Um, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for your time today. It's just really been a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. And I consider it an honor and a privilege to be uh, not only in my role as, as a CEO of the Masonic Home, but also the chair of the Virginia Society of CPAs. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Um, be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming service and stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks.